Uh, today, I'm not going to go back to Second Samuel. Uh, I would like to keep the same line uh, that we were carrying from the last weeks, uh, going through the passion, then the death of our Lord, the resurrection. I would like to go just a little farther. What happened after the resurrection? What, what is our job? Uh, what, what the Lord said to the disciples? So we're going to take a break, a little longer break in Second Samuel tonight. And we're going to go to Luke, the Luke 24. But before we go into that, we, of course, we need to pray. Thank you so much, Lord, because you are a good God. And uh, we are so thankful you allow us to be here, be part of your family, hear your word. Know that you are there for us when we need you. Lord, we pray so your word can go deep in our heart and our understanding. And every single part of our being, Lord, we want to learn and we want to hear your voice. Please talk to our heart. Please talk to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be speaking in Luke 24. And um, what happened after the resurrection? Is, is, the thing is, I was thinking every part of our, the life of our Lord, it, we can get so much out of it. If we think about it, the birth of our Lord, we can find out you know, the fulfillment of prophecies. Um, we can find out about the love of our God as well. We can uh, see the power of God and the conception of our Lord. Then we go through his life, and we can also learn uh, about his humanity, uh, his love as well, his patience towards the people, towards, uh, you know, the people that was following them, to, towards humanity. He lived as an example. We can learn that from his life. When we look at the passion of our Lord, we see more prophecies fulfilled. We see more of his love, great love for all uh, the people, the obedience to the Father. We can see that in the passion as well, his humility. Um, and the, the ending of a mission that started a long time ago is finally done in that cross. And then we see the resurrection uh, when we see the glory of the Son. Amen for that? We just celebrated that last week. The divinity of our Lord, the power over death and the hope for eternal life. But what happened after that? What, what's up with that? What, what happened after that? What, how should it affect my life? So the Lord dedicated all his life to fulfill all this stuff that they were written in the past. So I act how? So I can have security of what? Uh, to give me a worldview that looks like what? It should affect our life the way that we see the resurrection of our Lord. It shouldn't, you know, we should not be the same after we finally understand the resurrection of our Lord. We should not be the same when we know that our God lives. Amen? Amen. So we will see at least three points that I would like to um, take today. The first one is that he makes sure that he leaves enough evidence of his resurrection. And we will see it in the beginning of this passage. The second one is, is three minor points. In there. He points out to the scripture, scripture as a solid base to recognize the times. He also points out the scripture to recognize the Christ. And he points to the scripture to know what we should preach. And the third point is that this is a big change on the disciples before the Lord appears and after the Lord appears. The, the, the disciples changed their way of action. The, the disciples changed how they were moving forward in their life before and after the Lord appears to them. So we'll go little by little. We'll ver read the first three verses. Uh, so from 36 to 38. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood, um, stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? 
And why do doubts arise in your heart? This was the same, we'll stop there for a little bit. This is the same night, the same day after the resurrection of our Lord. He already appeared to Mary Magdalene, as we read uh, before this. And uh, then we have the road of two Amaeas. I had to write that one down because it was so different how it's written. The road to Amaeas, the Lord appeared to two disciples, to two men. And um, this Mary Magdalene and these two men, they were talking to the disciples. After they saw the Lord, they went to talk to the disciples. And uh, so this, this is the moment where the Lord appears to them. The two men were going back and they were talking to, to the disciples. And so when we started in verse 6, first, I'm sorry, 36, uh, they were talking about the things. Those things were how these two men were talking to the disciples. What happened? What the Lord showed up. You know, appeared to us, and this was great. We were in the road to Emmaus. This is what was going on, and um, and so we find out also in John twenty, which is the same uh, story with different um, with different details. Also, tell us the disciples were not just uh, in a place, but they were hiding and they were in fear, and they were also with their doors locked. Because they were afraid of the Jews. We find that in Luke 20, which is the same story, just with different details. So this is where the Lord showed up, right? The disciples are in hiding. They were in fear. They had their door locked because they're afraid of what could happen to them. And the Lord showed up and said, peace to you, shalom. Of course, they didn't feel much peace because they all were like, oh, my gosh. They got frightened. They got scared. They got confused, probably. They got, they started you know, something was going on there. Hey, what's going on in here? This is not normal. This is, what's going on in here? Um, it is weird to me to think that they react like that because resurrection is something that they already experienced before. The Lord did rise people from the dead. They experienced the, the, the power of the Lord by healing people as well. They saw miracles and they experienced the power of our God, of our, of our uh, Lord. So maybe, I was thinking maybe this was different because he, the Lord was not with them at that moment. The Lord was not with them. So at the moment when they, when they were, when the Lord was healing people, was raising up from the dead, the Lord was right there with them. But this time, the Lord was not there. He just showed up. So how this could happen? How he came out from the death? I don't know. That's just my mind trying to understand why they react that way. Um, also, they were just, they just heard from Mary Magdalene. They also just heard from the two men uh, what just happened. So the news was was not that new. They just heard it, that this was actually true. It just, just happened. But they were still troubled, frightened, stressed, and fear, etc. Um, it's very interesting that when we are in that situation in our life, is when it's, take us and it, it, it's harder to see the truth. It's harder to see our God. When we are in doubt, we are frightened, we are in fear, we are stressed, we are focusing so much on that state of being, the way that we feel, the way that we are, that we forget to see who is before us, who is for us, our Lord, or the Messiah, or God. So this is very interesting that um, because, probably because they were in that state, it was harder for them to see that was their Lord. After all, they spent three years with the Lord, so they should have recognized Him. But the Lord in His mercy worked to change that. And we will see what happens now from 39 to 42. See my hands and my feet, that is, I myself touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, I just see that I have. 
And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. So the Lord started with the most evident, the most easy thing to show, which are his hands and his feet. And John also gave us a detail that he showed them the side, which were, you know, he also got her in there. Um, and these are the same hands that they were, you know, with the Lord too, when they were walking around, the hands that were healing people, the hands that were probably preparing food. Remember, the disciples spent a lot of time with the Lord, so they knew those hands, the hands that put, you know, the heal people, the, the hands that bless the people, that bless the food, but also were the feet that walk with them, feet that probably maybe they were washed after their long walk. They knew those two things, the hands and the feet. But also were the hands, as we know, that they were pierced, and the feet that were pierced on the cross. Now, I would love to hear your opinion about this. I was looking um, if actually the, the hands and the feet of the Lord were pierced when he showed them to the disciples. I couldn't find anything in the Bible. I, usually, I remember hearing a lot of times that when he showed them their hands and their feet, they were pierced. I couldn't find it in the text. We can assume that that was what he was showing because why he would show their hands and their feet and their side. But uh, I would love to hear from you what is your take on that. Uh, if actually he showed them their hair and peers or not, that's something just so we can think and maybe you can go home and read all the text. That would be pretty awesome to me to, to hear you. But uh, I didn't find any part of the text that say that the Lord showed their hands and their feet peers. It just say that it showed their hands and their feet. We assume that they were peers. Especially we think about Thomas' uh, situation. Um, so these are the physical evidence the Lord was showing them who he was by showing these uh, parts of his body. And at this point, it seemed like the disciples were starting to come back to themselves. And so now they are marveling. Now they are not just afraid. Now they are like, whoa, and they are in joy and trying to realize, is this actually true? Is this actually happening? And I started thinking, in 2010, I went home after a long time without going home. And um, I think I was going for my brother's wedding. And I told him I was going to be able to go, and then I decided to go anyway. So I went, I didn't tell anyone, I said my mom. So when I got home, I knocked at the door, and my mom, I could hear, hear her already laughing before she came out to open the door. She opened the door, gave me a hot cry a little bit. And then I went to my dad. My dad, he didn't know that was coming. So I went to him, hey, dad, I'll give him a kiss. And my dad was like, hey, son, how you doing? And he just went away, just do his own thing. And I was like, whoa, that was cold. But then he come back, like, I don't know, 20 minutes later, and he's like, oh, my God, I miss you so much, blah, 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 and crying happy because he could see me. I was thinking about this. It's almost like it was too good and too great to be true for the disciples to see his Lord right there in front of them. But Interestingly, it was too good and too great that they forgot the scriptures and they forgot the power of God because of this joy and this marveling. Um, but he goes even farther. He doesn't stay just by showing his hands, his feet. He also eat with them. And here the text say that ate before them, if I'm not wrong. Uh, let me see. Um, yeah, he take and eat before them. And act, it add not only that he he ate before them, but he ate with them. And that is really interesting because the, the, the idea of that the Lord was eating with them, it was not new. 
right? He always ate with the, with the disciple. It's just giving me an idea of a relationship, of intimacy. That's where the time where you and me, when we are in with our family, that we talk, we joke, we laugh. We, we talk about what's, what's going on with you. How, how can we help you? That's, that's where we find relationship. We have people over sometimes in our house, and we can know what's going on with you, what's going on with me, how can I pray for you. And the Lord does this so much in the Bible. We find that he did it before he went to the crucifixion. We find now that he does it after the crucifixion. And we know that in the future, at least I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in the big dinner and eating. And I hope you are there too. Are you going to be there? A big meal with the Lord, right? So the idea of eating with the Lord is really important because it gives us this idea of a relationship, intimacy, to experiment again the hope, the joy, and the peace with the Lord. Um, let's keep going. Verse 44 through 48. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it's written, that the Christ should suffer on the third day arise arise from the dead, and the repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witness of these things. Now all this he already told them. All this was already in the scripture. And not just in one place. He named he called it the Law of Moses, which is the first five books of the Bible, the Prophets, which is pretty much the rest of the Old Testament, and the Psalms, which it won't be part of the prophecy. Although, it, you will find a lot of prophecy in the Psalms anyway. So, pretty much the Lord is saying, hey, through the whole Old Testament, through the whole, the whole Testament that you actually know, because they didn't have the New Testament, of course, through the whole Bible, through the whole Scripture, I told you these things. I told you the things will happen. I told you that I, I'm going to, you know, what I was going to do. How the Lord will move forward so all the prophecies will be fulfilled. And besides that, I told you this when I walked with you. I told you all the things. So you shouldn't be surprised and you shouldn't be frightened. You shouldn't be in fear. You should not be stressed because you, you knew all this. It's not new. Now, it's interesting to think that the disciples were Christian. They were walking with the Lord. But they still were missing something. They were still not understanding everything. They were still not getting everything. They were still doubting. They were still in fear. And they were walking with the Lord for the last three years. Um, The importance of prayer and intimacy and having time with the Lord, relationship with the Lord, you know, going to the Lord every day and knowing Him and spend time with Him is so important so we can understand everything that is happening, everything that the Lord already told us, who He is, His promises, everything is here. But we need to look for that understanding. David in Psalm 119, he prayed for understanding. He prayed so he can understand the word. He prayed so he can understand the commandments. And that's the same thing that we need to do. And it's not... Just because, I'm sorry, I'm going to say that differently. And the only one that could do that is our Lord. We're not going to do it for our own strength or because we think that we're smart or because we think that we can do it. Not just because we are Christians, we will be wise and know everything or we will understand everything. But we have the privilege to have access to that wisdom, to have access to that understanding. But it's only if we look and search for the Lord. We see the disciples, they were in shock. Again, they were in fear. They were in confusion. And they couldn't see the Lord, as I said before, as who he was. And maybe the same thing happened to us sometimes. When we're in fear, when we look at everything that's happening around us, 
whoa, what's going on? What are they teaching the schools? Why the government is acting like this? And maybe we can start feeling like, oh my gosh, this is too much. I feel stressed. I feel in fear. I feel frightened. Brothers and sisters, I, I pray to the Lord that, that we cannot end up like the disciples, hiding indoors and, and being afraid. The Lord had told us already He's going to be with us, that He is going to He's going to fulfill the promises that he gave us. He is for us. Amen? He is for us. So there is no reason, if we really understand who our Lord is, there is no reason for us to feel the way um, the disciples feel. So now what? Now they were witness of the complete work of our Lord. As I said in verse um, 48, you are witness of all the things. Now they had the evidence and they had the conviction of who this God was, of who the Messiah was. So now they had to preach. To preach what? What they had to go out and say. They had to talk about the Old Testament and all the fulfillment of the Scripture. And they had to preach about this Christ that one day was dead. And then the third day he now he was, he rise from the dead and now he was alive. That our God is alive. And they had to preach also of the repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Because it's the desire of God that every uh, tell us. And of course, this mission was not going to be done just by their own strength. We know that uh, the Lord was going to equip them and was going to give them what they need. So let's keep reading verse 49 through 53. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay, on, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. The promise of my father, of course, we know that that's the spirit. We'll see that coming in the Acts, in the book of Acts. It's, it's, it's beautiful when the Lord gives us a promise. When the Lord put a promise in here, we know that that promise is, is not going to fail us. If he said it's going to happen, or he said that that's the way it's going to go, that's the way it's going to go, because our Lord doesn't change. Because the Lord is not a, a, a God that lies or to change his mind. So his promise is always going to be there for us. Now, here's, the, here's the, the detail here in these promises. This is a condition. And most of the promise I have found conditions. And look at what it said here. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but... Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from high. They had to do something. They was required that they put action in this. Hey, I'm going to do this, but you have to do this. I'm going to keep my promise, but you have to do this. And you can see that through the whole Bible. We, like, we go through the, the life of Abraham, Moses, the, um, uh, and all the promises that are here. You can see that. The Lord always requires something from us. Let's read some promises. Uh, let's go for Proverbs 1. I can't remember if I give you those or not. Okay, cool. For the waywardness of the simple... Oh, let me read it from there then, so it's the same one. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fool destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. So the Lord is promising that we will be in safety and we will be in ease and we will be without fear of harm. But... Who's going to do that? Or who's going to feel like that? Those who listen to him. Okay, so it's not like, hey, I promise you you're going to be fine. And you don't have to do nothing about it. No. Those who listen to me will live in safety and be ease 
without fear of harm. Look, Romans 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. You are a children of God. I'm a children of God. Whoever is a children of God, there is a request. You have to be led by the Spirit of God. That's a fruit of the Spirit, probably. It's, it's something that we have to do. We have to let the Spirit of the Lord move. Otherwise, if we are not being moved by the Spirit of God, we are being moved by flesh. If you are being moved by flesh, you, therefore, you are not a children of God. There is a requirement there. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all Righteousness. The Lord is promising you, promising me too. He's going to be faithful and he's going to forgive our sin. But what we had to do? We had to confess our sin. There had to be an action from us. We had to do something. And the last one, Matthew 6, 31 through 34. This is my favorite. And you have heard in every single sermon that I, every time I step up here, I, I say this because I try to live for this and for, uh, through this. And I pray the Lord to help me. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what should we eat, or what should we drink, or what should we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He knows that. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all the things will be added to you. Hey, I'm promising you, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to put your clothes on you. I, I got you. But you have to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then say, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day, it's his own trouble. The Lord was promising something to the disciples. Hey, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to send you my spirit. But you had to stay in the city. And every single promise that the Lord is giving us today for everything that's happening around us, they're still here and they're still true. He got our back. This is our God. He doesn't change. But we had to listen to him. But... We have to be led by His Spirit, not by our own ideas, or not by we think that is best, but by His Spirit. We have to first see the kingdom of God. The understanding, the conviction um, of what we listen, what we learn, is what it changed the way that we act. However, I understand, and whatever convictions I have in my heart is gonna uh, is gonna move me for, forward in this life. So, if I have wrong conviction of I'm not a misunderstanding the word, I'm going to move through life, obviously making mistakes. Now let's see how the disciples change, um, how they start this um, episode and how it's finishing. We learned that he, the Lord took them out of that place. From what place? From the place that they were hiding, from the place that they were, you know, all full of fear and when they had the door locked, the Lord took them out of there. The Lord took them out. And bless them. And this is a sign of like the other high priest in the Old Testament where they, he will bless the people. The sign of authority as well. Um, and take them out, as we said. And we see them now not anymore frightened, not confused, not in doubt. But they know that he is their Lord. That he is their Messiah. Um, they not only accept the evidence. And they not only listen to their word, to his word when he was right there. But there was something bigger than that, that put everything together. And it's a, it make a big difference. And we learned this from Pastor Dave a couple of weeks ago. Well, actually, last week, if I'm not wrong, Good Friday. He was talking about something that's called conviction. Something that's called conviction. I have friends that are atheists, and they understand what the Bible says. I have 
friends that are atheists and they hear the word of God, but they don't have conviction because the Lord hasn't changed that in their heart. The only one that can do that is the Lord, just like here. The Lord is the one that changed the disciples' heart, not just my own understanding. Uh, and this is something that involves every single aspect of me, okay? Because I can understand things, but I, I may not do it accordingly. I may not act accordingly. I can feel things, but maybe I don't understand it up here. So it needs to be up here. It needs to be up here. It needs to be up here with the things I do. It's a whole thing. Conviction it implies every single aspect of your body, your mind, your heart, your hands, everything. And... Um, and this, we can get it by intimacy, by praying, by reading our Bible, by having time with the Lord. Just like it happened here, the Lord came to them and explained them and told them everything that was written. And the Lord ate with them, have a relationship with them. And then the Lord opened their understanding. And they, now they, they were acting totally different way now. Now their eyes were open and they changed their, those doubts, their fears for joy and worship and praise. Look at verse 52 and 53. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. So now they changed fear, frightened, and doubt for worship, joy, and blessing. That's pretty awesome. I want to have worship, joy, and blessing more than fear, frightened, and doubt. And they now move forward knowing that their God is a God that is alive, knowing that their God is a God that keeps his word and his promises, and knowing that their God is a God that doesn't move in natural ways. And this is big. To me, at least, it just hit me hard. Because usually we try to reason with the things that are happening around us or certain things that happen. I, I wonder if they, when they were hiding in, in locked door and trying to process everything that the Mary Magdalene told them or the two men told them, they were trying to reason, ooh, maybe what, this is what happened. Ooh, maybe let's, let's try to find a natural explanation for this. Let's, let's try to think about this, how this could happen. I'm wondering if that... I don't know. It's not there. I'm just wondering. Because that's what we do. Like we hear, oh, yeah, a brother got healed. Oh, maybe he was not that sick. Maybe he didn't have the sickness. Maybe the doctors got it right this time. How about maybe the Lord healed a man? How about the Lord make a miracle in there? Ooh, maybe, maybe. And we try to reason and put things in a natural way when we know that our Lord moved in a supernatural way. To come out from the death, that's not natural. That's not something you and me can do. That's something that only our God can do. Amen? This is our God. And this, when we understand this and we start thinking about this, we can go out of these doors knowing that the one that is for us is not like me. He moved into a different area, into a different level, if you will. That's our God. We have enough evidence. We have enough promises. And we have his word. If we believe that our Lord is who he says he is, then we will do what he says he will do. I'm sorry. He will do what he said he will do. Then let's live for him, trusting him, and moved by his spirit only, full of joy, worshiping and blessing his name. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, because you are a good God. Thank you so much because you are so patient with us. Lord, you have told us so many times, and you repeat your promises to us, that you're going to be there for us. You are not going to leave us, forsake us. And sometimes we just start looking more at the problems than you, the solution. Sometimes we look more what's happening around us than to look at you, that you are God, sovereign, full of power, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you can change our mind, that you can help us to look at you, to focus at you, and to know that our God moves in supernatural ways.
Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to have faith in you. Help us, Lord. We need you, especially in these times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.